You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. One point game. Here comes the blitz. Manning sidesteps. Manning throws deep, wide open. Bye bye, Beckham. Touchdown, Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always on this lovely payday is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, is there any news? Is anything happening? I don't know. It seems like it's a kind of a slow day. Kind of a quiet weekend. Oh, we finally signed Odell Beckham Jr. Man, I... You know, I had heard rumors that he was going to get traded, that he was a punk, but there was a podcast that I was listening to on iTunes and SoundCloud called Just Giants where they said that that he would sign a contract with the Giants before the season started. Yeah, I think that uh, that Best Damn podcast for the Best Damn sports team predicted it would happen the week of um, the last preseason game going into the regular season. So, hmm. We can just Nostradamus here. Yeah. Like it. I guess be sure to follow them on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just Giants. So, yeah, that's that's the big news. Um, <clears throat> we're recording this Monday night, as always. So this happened at around, uh, what, like 1.30, 2 o'clock today, um, right after practice, actually. Uh, Beckham signed a five-year extension worth $95 million, uh, $65 million of which is guaranteed. I think 41 is fully guaranteed. I don't know the difference. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, that was one of the things you know I wanted to bring up is what is the difference between guaranteed versus fully guaranteed? I don't know. I don't know how something could – you can't use the word guarantee if it's not guaranteed. So I, I truthfully, it doesn't make any sense. But this contract adds a $20 million signing bonus, uh, which actually lowers Beckham's cap hit this year by about $3 million. Uh, so that actually works in the Giants' favor this year just for cap purposes as we were kind of scraping the bottom there. But – he is officially locked up until he's 30 years old, until the year 2023. Yeah, so it's one of those things. It was a soap opera we did not need having playing out the final, you know, this whole season. I know we are sick to death of talking about it. We'll be sick to death of talking about Landon Collins' upcoming contract uh, situation over the next year. But it's definitely something that's been one of those elephant in the room type of things for a while. And I'm just glad it's over with. Um it couldn't have gone any better from a giant standpoint. You know, they had both sides identified they wanted to be together. Um, I think having the new coaching staff, the whole new regime, kind of reset, you know, and the relationship between Beckham and the Giants. And, uh, you know, it just played out exactly the way we thought it was going to play out. You know, it, uh, if they waited till the end of the year, it might have impacted the cap in the future, doing it too soon. You don't know if he would have been healthy or not. He's shown everything in practice that the coaching staff and the general manager and the ownership thinks he's ready to be back 100%. So he's back 100%. We say this like, you know, it's good to have the elephant in the room out of there or whatever. But this isn't a silly organization that makes colossal mistakes, right? I mean, we knew that this would happen this week because it's just – it's such an obvious move. I mean, like, the media sort of clouded it like, oh, they're going to trade him because he's a punk, et cetera. Like, we, we as Giants fans see him enough to know that that's not true and that we see this organization often enough to know that they don't make foolish mistakes of letting superstar talent just waltz out of the building. 
We knew right. this would happen because it was the obvious move. And Odell Beckham Jr. knows that being a New York Giant, with maybe the possible exception of playing in L.A. or someplace like that, his market value will never be higher than playing in a high-profile place like this. He is Odell Beckham Jr. because he is a giant. You know, there's other guys that are flamboyant. There are other guys that are maybe as talented. But Antonio Brown is not Odell Beckham for, you know, on the field and off the field opportunities that he has for himself. So, you know, he realizes this as well. You know, the deal is something where, you know, in three years, he may not be the highest paid wide receiver anymore. And we don't know in three years down the road what's going to happen. You know, he may decide to hold out and, you know, do that whole route you've seen with some other receivers and running backs have done. But that is not a problem for today. I think for the short and intermittent time frame, he's a happy camper. The Giants are happy campers. Eli Manning's a happy camper. Saquon Barkley's a happy camper. Everybody's a happy camper right now. Yeah. Um, everybody except uh, center Brett Jones, I think. Um, well, maybe, maybe that's not true. Uh, yeah, he's not going to get to enjoy the Odell Beckham experience anymore. But uh, No, but he might actually compete for some playing time. So uh, backup center Brett Jones, uh, who was a I, – I don't really know. I guess he was technically a free agent. I mean, he was signed out of the, uh, the CFL, so I don't know how that counts. But – he was a solid signing by the old regime, but for a different offense that relied a lot on pass blocking and movement and things like that, which is not this offense's uh, philosophy. So he just didn't really fit in despite being a um, a good center. Uh, so he was traded to Minnesota for a 2019 uh, seventh round pick, which, you know, we had traded away in some deal that I don't really remember or care about. Um, but the, oh, the supplemental. Is- the supplemental pick, oh, we lost the draft pick, too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, important to get a pick back. But, I mean, that pick can also be, you know, seven-round pick is often used as trade ammo. So just yeah. another bullet in that trade gun, I guess. And also, and also, it gave us, you know, before the Beckham signing, it took us right up against the edge of the salary cap. Right. So we, we had a little breathing room. I mean, something you can make a, you know— a move, nothing, you know, fantastic, but, you know, now you have two pieces that all of a sudden have opened up some space because as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks that we feel that there are some roster spots that are not on this, you know, 95 man roster right now. They have to go out and compete to try to get them. Well, that's a really good point. So one of the perks of being terrible isn't just the draft. It's the waiver wire. So we are officially second on the waiver wire. So come cutdown day, we get second bit dib. I thought the way it worked after the preseason cutdown was it's just a big free for all. Anybody can sign anybody they want. I don't think it was um, the waiver wire was impacted during that time. I thought it was like during the season. If you cut somebody, you had the option for it. The guys that they try to slip into the practice squad have to go through waivers. That's correct. So they can't terminate the contract of somebody that they want on their practice squad. Uh, they have to be waived and then go through waivers. But, so essentially those are guys that are good enough potentially to join a team, but you know, there's just more skilled guys at that position on that yeah, team. Yeah, and that's a service 
uh, service years and age thing also to go into the practice squad too. You can't, we yeah. can't stash William Gay on there because you know we don't want to put him on. He's hundred. We want to put him on IR and we still want to keep him around. So yeah, so that's that's how that works. Um, now after the Brett Jones move, after the uh, Beckham contract extension, they have seven million dollars to play with. Obviously, you want to keep some of that for. Throughout the season, replacing injured guys, he want, might want to carry it over to next year's cap, etc. But the point is, is now they have some maneuverability to pick up something to fill that void. And they're probably going to be looking for some O-line help or some DB help. Um, and n- now they can do that. Yeah, I mean, we will have our next program next Monday night after the cutdowns have happened. Where, you know, there are going to be some surprises. You're going to see some surprises around the league. You're going to see some, prize, some surprises on the giant roster. Guys, we were had not talked about once as being potentially cut, sure. where through age, what the coaching staff sees in practice, cap number, you name it, they might be on the street on uh, on Sunday morning. So, Yeah, and you know, in the midst of all this news that we're kind of throwing at you all at once here, uh, there was a game over the weekend too. Oh, yeah, against our... Uh, our co-mortgage holders, the New York Jets. Yeah, yeah our roommates, essentially. <laughs> um, Bert and Ernie. <laughs> I, uh, I don't really want to delve too much into it, but I, I don't want to not mention it at all because it was a three, third preseason game, and uh, you know that's where we see extensive time with the starters. There's a bit of game planning. There's like... There's not a desire to win so much as there's a desire to see some production. Um, yeah, and uh, it's your it's your it's your dress rehearsal. It's like you want to go through that week of practice prepping as if it was week three. Right. Um, and there were some good things. There were some bad things. Uh, because I didn't want to spend too much time on it, I sort of tweeted out a thread of my big observations from the game. But I do want to, you know, talk about two guys. Uh, I'll give one star, one fart. Um, and I'm 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 specifically looking at the starters for all those reasons because this is the dress rehearsal because you know this is the one we want to look at the starters um, and my star was Sterling Shepard that uh, they had no answer to cover him and I you know they had their best corner on him for most of the night with Buster Screen um, we couldn't run the ball for shit in this game so there was no threat of a running game despite the play action working. Um, there was no Saquon Barkley in this game. There was no Odell Beckham in this game to draw attention away from him, and it didn't matter. Uh, there was one play where Buster Scream was all over him, and you know Eli just dropped one right in the breadbasket. It was completely contested, and he still came away with it. I mean, he's poised for a really big year with Beckham and Ingram really taking a lot of attention away from him, and, he, and even Barkley out of the backfield, and... He had no misses on the night. He was 100% perfect. And Cody Latimer, let's not forget him either. Yeah. Um, he had that touchdown, and I was thinking, because I, I will be honest that I watched the replay uh, today. We're taping this on a Monday. I was out of town all weekend, so um, I did not watch it live. Um, but I finally got a chance to watch the uh, the game tape today, and it's one of those things like you forget about him. Like No one talks about Cody Latimer in this offense where, you know, Yes, we have the super high profile, you know, number one receiver, number one running back. Um, guys like, you know, guys like him and guys like Sterling Shepard are just going to be kind of, 
you know, for what their role is in this offense is at a talent level we haven't had in quite a while on this team. And they are going to cause some real mismatch problems because you're going to see a lot of double teaming on Beckham. And you're going to be seeing a lot of loading the box for a guy like Barkley, you know, from running the ball and his pass catching ability. So you're going to see a lot of things, you know, if this offense, the game planning, the, the, the scheming for it is as creative as we think it's going to be, you know, lots of mismatches all over the place. So it's going to be exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, my my one fart for the night was Eli Apple, and um, the reason isn't because he's making mistakes or he's out of position or he's misreading coverages or anything like that. It, the man just needs to play football aggressively. Um, it doesn't seem to matter that we have Janoris Jenkins on one side of the field because they, there is no reason for an opposing offense to throw in his direction. No matter who Janoris Jenkins is covering, doesn't matter. Just throw it to whoever Eli Apple is covering because he's just playing too soft. He's giving too much of a cushion. I, I, you know, maybe it's in his head that he was too handsy, and you know, I don't know what the deal is. But every single throw in his direction, with the exception of one, which was sort of a fluttering duck that he did, he did get a hand in and knock out. But there's just too much cushion. Guys are getting too open. Guys that have no business being open are getting open on him. And it, it we can't have that happen all year. It just can't. Um, he has the skills. He's not doing anything mentally wrong. He's just not playing aggressively. I mean, at some point, can it just be coached out of him? Or at some point, are we going to be like, this is what he is? And, you know, do we have another potential Eric Flowers type of guy who's just ultimately going to disappoint for as high as the draft pick was? I, you know, I really don't know. Um he, I I think it was the aggressiveness was already coached out of him. If that's the case, it could be coached back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this is a this is the kind of defense where if they're throwing, you know, five six guys downhill, seven guys blitzing, the corners have to man up and just play tough. They can't give a cushion. The whole point is to just stay as close to them as possible. Let the quarterback get sacked. He doesn't have to get yeah. interceptions to be effective. He just has to have the quarterback think twice about throwing it in his direction long enough for the push to get there. Yeah, you want you want the quarterback to go to his second and third reads. If it's all of a sudden, you know, he becomes the first read. Like you said, if they're not even going to look at George Jenkins' way, they're going to be looking the other way. Yeah. And you want to kind of you want to make this that you know, you want to put confusion in the quarterback's head as, as as fast as you can. So I don't know. I mean, we're getting on. This is his third year with the Giants or fourth year? year? This is his third year. Um, you know, big year for him because next year is that kind of pick up the rookie extension. Yeah. Extension thing. And you know, the evidence, the for and against is really building up for him right now. And it's not looking good in his favor. So yeah, and as it is, the Giants have already spent a supplemental draft pick on a corner who, as far as I know, has no experience in the slot. Right, right. So uh, a couple of guys I wanted to focus on, I wanted to kind of give my, my now in my series of preseason games, my non farts. And the first one I want to give a non fart to, believe it or not, is Jonathan Stewart. I mean, I know that fumble was a disaster and it's something that can't happen. But again, we are not talking about a rookie trying to make a team. We're talking about a guy who was hired, who was signed 
for a very specific purpose on this team. And without Saquon Barkley playing and without Odell Beckham not playing, he was in kind of in a role where, you know, he's kind of your feature back right now. Now, we all think Wayne Gallman is the backup running back on this team and the second guy. He's proven it. And he is the future of this team. But I think the fumble, I think pe- people really started freaking out and people were like, wasted contract, bad signing, blah, 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 blah. His role is to be, you know, goal line situations, third and one, fourth and one, get the yard. He's been around the block a hundred times. You can't tell me that he has the same mindset for even the third game, the, the dress rehearsal preseason game that he will in game one. And you know something? If he fucks up in game one, fucks up in game two, fucks up in game three, it's a legitimate conversation if you want to get rid of him or not. They're not doing it now on the strength of what happened in a, in a meaningless preseason game. Your thoughts? I mean, that's fair. I think what most people are upset about is the size of the contract that he got. And and that's a legitimate conversation, but really the conversation should be, does a guy whose role is third and one uh, or goal line situation deserve that kind of money? And that's the conversation you should be having, not does Jonathan Stewart deserve this money? Yeah, but did we hear that argument before the draft? Not really. Well, well. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't expect. I mean, the the Jets get Teddy Bridgewater. And then all of a sudden, a franchise quarterback becomes available in the draft. Did all of a sudden make Teddy Bridgewater a bad trade or bad signing? No, it's just the situation kind of changed. And, you know, if you think pre-draft, while they were still doing their evaluations, they want to draft a quarterback or not, you know, the expectation was Wayne Gallman and also the guys we got on the roster last year. We're going to be figuring to the mix of who's going to be the starting running back and what the, ro- the running back rotation was going to be. All of a sudden, you throw into the mix a potential franchise running back, uh, you know, a difference maker who could be like a once in every 10 year type of running back. Yeah, and I can look back and say, well, why we waste our money on this guy? But the opportunity presented itself. So, based on that contract, I think he's going to get a longer leash than people, you know, the fan caller who wants him fired right now. It's not going to happen. Well, also- also, yeah, it, it it's not going to happen anyway, but it it just it sort of is what it is. I mean, we just have to roll with it. I mean, there's no sense in complaining about what's going on in preseason games. We just have to wait till the regular season and we can address it mid mid-year if he's continuing to be useless, but yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. And there's no other I mean, if you want to go down the depth chart for running backs and see, you know, is he? T- is Robert Martin taking his spot? Is Jalen Simmons? Well, I mean, is, is Jalen Simmons taking his spot le- legitimately? Are they ever going to see the field at all in any situation of any importance? Well, I think the raging Giants fan will say that they deserve it, but you have to look at the style of runner and if if they're really going to fit. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really know enough about Robert Martin. I, I've seen what he's done in these preseason games. Obviously, I can't see what happens in practice. And not that you would get much of an indication in practice anyway. And they don't have the body of work that Jonathan Stewart has that I can look at and have some precedent for. Right. So, I mean, it just it just is what it is. I mean, at this point, the Giants would save, like, less than a million dollars by cutting him anyway. So it just isn't going to happen. Right. And remember, this general manager worked with him last year. 
So he knows what this guy can do. He knows the ins and outs of him. It's not like somebody they have no, you know, uh, relationship with from before. So I, I just think that people seem to relax a little bit. And again, if we trot him out on the field on a third and one and he loses two yards or if he's fumbling again in the red zone, all right, we can make, we can definitely have a valid conversation about, you know, you know, are we cutting this guy or are we just going to put him in mothballs or what are we going to do with him? So um, this, the second guy I want to talk about is Hunter Sharp. Um, I get it. He had the two drops in the game Saturday. Uh, although the first one, would you even consider really a drop or just a, a ball you kind of need to catch? I mean, a drop sounds very egregious, like that was just a drop. That to me seemed like it was a tough play that, you know, if you're going to be an NFL receiver, you should catch. But to me, you know, a lot of the times we talk on, on this show quite a bit about, you know, when deciding, you know, if the guy's to make the roster, well, he also could be a special teams guy. That punt return for the touchdown showed something to me where he needs to make the roster. We've had no weapons, punt return and kickoff return in a long time on this team. They've been a negative. And to me, for a team that still is trying to figure out their identity on offense and hasn't really proved anything yet, um, you know, and the way this league is where it's, you know, scores are closer and closer than they've ever been before, that opportunity, that potential for the home run, you need to exploit that if you can. I mean, I'm also one of these type of guys who thinks that Beckham should be out there once or twice a game for a punt return if it's a, a critical part of the game. You know, you, you can't play afraid in a situation where it could impact the game, winning or losing. Yeah, I don't want Beckham returning punts if the score is 24-3 in the fourth quarter. That's just setting up for risk for injury. But the score is 17-17 fourth quarter punt coming. You're getting the ball back. I want my best players with the ball in their hands the most amount of time. So, you know, Hunter Sharp, we're, we're talking about someone who, in, in the grand scheme of the, the wide receiver room, is your fourth receiver, maybe your fourth and a half receiver, with if you, if you factor in, you know, the tight ends and running backs and everything. It's not an important piece of the offense, but what he showed with special teams tells me that I think he should get the nod for making, making the team. Well, <laughs> unpack it, Mr. Well, Mr. Cranky fan. I could rewind back to literally two episodes ago. You said that you want your fourth or fifth receiver to be able to be the receiver if needed. NFL wide receivers need to be wide receivers, and you know whatever. I I, I agree philosophically with everything that you said. Um, special teams on this team have been abysmal. Uh, I think the first year that we had Dwayne Harris, he was like outstanding and then every year since then has just been worse and worse and worse and then before Dwayne Harris I don't even know I think like Dominic Hickson had like one year where he was good but and Dwayne Harris made the Pro Bowl for special teams more for like punt coverage and being a gunner and things right but I mean in his first year he did have a return for a touchdown in a big game and against Dallas you know I mean, he was good yeah uh, the, the point I'm making is I agree with you the the special teams are t- just horrendous um in watching this game I'm not going to chalk up Hunter Sharp's return for touchdown on his ability to do that. If you look at that, the Jets, first of all, the Jets, I don't want to get too involved in this, but the Jets 
but specifically the Jets special teams is one of the least disciplined units I've seen all preseason. They were a disaster. I mean, they were, they were all awful. starts on extra points. There was everything that you could fuck up on special teams. <laughs> That's they true. They did. That's true. Um, and if you watch that punt return, I mean, I don't even know what they're thinking. There's nobody on the right side. So it's not like he shaked and baked and found his way through. He just was able to read the coverage and ran to the right, which is a skill that you need. But I'm not going to forget the fact that he muffed two punts like a week ago. And when you add all the things together, his whole body of work this preseason, you have the one return for touchdown, you have two muffs, two drops in this game, it drops in other games, I don't see it. And also, for every other punt, he seemed to be sitting too shallow. I'm just not going to forget the, everything he's, he's done wrong just because of this one play, which you could partially attribute to the Jets just screwing up. So, for me... Hunter Sharp, could he make the team? Sure. Am I going to be happy about it? Not really. I'm going to be sad about it. Not really. Um, nobody's really stepped up to challenge him. So, I mean, I can't really complain if he makes the team. But, I I mean, I don't know. You just, you just took my counterpoint. I was going to say, well, of the available list of those candidates for the, the fourth, fifth receiver, none of those guys has really stand out. They've had some moments. They've had some bad moments. You know, they are what they are. They are guys fighting for an NFL roster spot. So you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it may not mean anything, but, you know, I, I, I would put it more in the category right now is even with the two muffs the last time is a special teamer who can receive and that might be the edge for him to get on this team. Yeah, maybe. Having said that, having said that, though, if you ask me, who do I want back there returning a critical punt in the fourth quarter? Hunter Sharp or Beckham? I would throw I agree Beckham with you. back I there. I agree with that. Um, I, I mean, we, we're both old enough to remember the Jason Seahorn fiasco. Um, but, you know, your goal is to win games. And when you have an extraordinary talent like an Odell Beckham, you know, who can turn something in, nothing into something, which you tweeted about today, actually. I did. That's the guy I want back there. You did. You oh, okay. retweeted something. I'm with you. Um, and, and not for nothing, but Beckham has returned punts and has returned them for touchdowns. Some were called back for holding calls, etc. But, uh, I mean, he, he is good at that job. And if he if he were a bad receiver, like we've seen with guys like Ted Ginn, you know, like he would be back mm-hmm. there all the time. Um, exactly. One other thing I want to talk about, which is a little concerning about, was the, the second Jets touchdown... Um, I think Vernon was in coverage, I think, and he was trying to, do you remember the play? Yeah, it was Terrell Pryor. Yeah. Uh, so that's twice we've seen linebackers in coverage in this preseason look really bad in pass coverage and resulting in long plays like over the middle like that. How nervous are you that we're going to continue to be exploited by tight ends and, and plays over the middle? Yeah, I mean, I don't like that from start to finish. If you watch the play, they're sort of in a zone coverage. Uh, B.W. Webb is on uh, Terrell Pryor. He's playing playing outside technique, forcing him inside. I think it's Ogletree who was, like, trying to sit in the zone, and he just awkwardly didn't do it right, and now you got two guys trailing a, a talented athlete. It just it was just not going to happen. I I don't know in the regular season if they're going to set up like that, but if if they aren't, then I don't know why the fuck they weren't figuring that out during this third preseason game because that's when you're supposed to be doing it. Um, 
I am worried about that. Something something we need to really keep our eye on as we get into the season and see how they address that and scheme it and, and what they're going to do because I'm worried. Yeah. I'm worried about that little, you know, that little drag route or something all of a sudden, especially the way the Jets use the, the perfection too, that, you know, the down and distance on the field. Yeah. That could be really scary. Yeah. Um, and and we, we've got some talented guys on the schedule coming up. I and mean, this is not an easy schedule year like it was two years ago. No, no, no. It's one of those things that we can survive it. You know, we can be in pretty good shape, but it's going to be uh, it's gonna be rough going the first several weeks. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last thing here is uh, just kind of run through the last of our position review before final cutdown day, which is the Saturday, I think at 4 p.m. Um, but we haven't talked about DBs yet. And um, it's a little bit up in the air, right? I, You know, we've... There's no guarantee. There's a couple guarantees, but that's about it. And uh, outside of Eli Apple and Janoris Jenkins, it's not as clear. Uh, we have guys like B.W. Webb, Dante Dion, who, you know, maybe. Grant Haley, you know, maybe. Uh, William Gay is another one that, you know, upon signing him, seemed like the sure thing to be the slot guy or the swing safety corner or whatever. But he's been buried on the depth chart. Really don't know. Um, a little banged up too during preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not a good um, sign, <laughs> not at all. Of all of them, I would probably rank the the backups in that order: B.W. Webb, Deontay Dion, Grant Haley, William Gay. Um, you know, Gay is sort of the weird one because he's the veteran; they might want him around, but he's shown absolutely nothing. Uh, so I don't know what that. This administration has nothing to really go on. It's not like he's been here and you know he's in that situation. He was brought in and has done nothing. So I don't. I don't know. It's not like they sunk a ton of money at them either. Yeah, and then, you know, we have the two guarantees. Those are for roster spots, but right now, as we've you know talked about early in this episode, and we've been discussing ad nauseum all offseason, that Eli Apple scares us. We don't know, yeah. we don't know what we're getting from him. And to a lesser extent, we're not exactly sure we're going to get from Janoris Jenkins either. You know, he... He hasn't really been tested, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also, you know, he had the fantastic first year of this, and last year was, you know... Different reasons, you know, he was banged up. He got in the doghouse in the secondary room. You know, this team all of a sudden starts off again, one and four, one and five. You know, just from my experience with him, you know, back in the old Florida days, you know, I don't know. So things have to go well. So it's 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 not just a question of, of depth on this team. It's even the starters. There are some little questions and big questions we have to be very concerned about. Because we're going to be we're going to be very aggressive, in, on on you know getting after the quarterback and you know bringing the house quite a bit. And these guys are like you said earlier in the show, they're going to be accountable to holding their own, manning up, yeah, being on their island. If they can't handle it, <laughs> we could be the, the whole the whole defense sinks with them. Yeah. Exactly, and I don't think this offense wants to deal with you know having to come back after really quick scores on the defensive side. So. Oh God, no! No, no! Last thing we can afford to have happen. Uh, the safety position, I, I think, is a little bit. It, it's it's it was murky all offseason. I think it's finally getting clearer. I think it's going to be that Landon Collins is going to be playing next to Curtis Riley. Uh, he seemed to be the guy that they wanted back there. Um, he had his action against the Jets, and minus one play, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 
being a free safety, you're either making interceptions or any other time you're mentioned, you've screwed up. So <laughs> the fact that he wasn't mentioned at all is not a bad thing. I agree. It's um, <laughs> a very good way to uh, to describe the position. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what happened with Andrew Adams. He's just sort of been buried. I, everything I've seen, he hasn't done anything wrong. I know this administration has no no obligation or you know familiarity with him he wasn't their undrafted free agent but to them he's just an old udfa so uh, i don't know but they seem very high on guys like michael thomas uh, i think could be back there you know again william gay we mentioned he has some ability that they might bring him back at the safety spot um darian thompson's sort of the wild card also mm-hmm. uh Again, I know he was a third-round pick, but this administration doesn't give a shit about that. They didn't make that pick. They have no obligation to stand by it. Yeah, but you know they're also looking for the you know the three or four best guys to make this team too. You know we kind of of course we kind of rattle off everybody. I mean they have no obligations to anybody on this roster really. But uh, well, true, yeah. But you know something they everybody has a clean slate, which might be good or bad for some of these guys. It's probably good for some of them, where there might have been some baggage and some you know. Rops are burying from the previous regime. So I, again, this scares me a lot. <laughs> we, we talk about this, how this scares us. And definitely think this is a position where when the cutdowns happen, we may be able to pick up somebody on the cheap for just some bodies that can play. You know, we're not looking for pro bowlers out there. We're just looking inside. We're not staring into the abyss of somebody tweaks a hamstring or something where that could spell disaster. Yeah, and that's sort of why I'm wondering about undrafted free agent Sean Chandler. I mean, he plays in the mold of Landon Collins. So does Andrew Adams. Uh, you know, I would think that over Darian Thompson, those guys are who they would want to keep on the roster, one of those two, because of the fact that all the other options are sort of just free safeties. They're going to want somebody, in case Collins goes out, to you know load the box and you know fly downfield. And hit running back. You know? He's in a blow also. He can't play every single snap. So Sure. Um, yeah, it's a mess back there. If I had to guess, I would say it's going to go Collins-Riley as our starters with backups Michael Thomas and Andrew Adams. I think That's, that would just be my wild guess. That was going to be my call. That's what I've written down here also. So I, I'm with you on that. And then we pray for uh, health. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's pretty much all we've got for you for this week, but, I mean, you couldn't have asked for better news to start off the week. Um, you know, this this Friday is the last preseason game. I, I Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. No, I'll watch it. Um, there's not really much. It's going to be a lot of these guys that we're talking about, the, you know, the last, you know, six guys in the 53-man roster. Yeah. I think I don't even think you're going to see much of anybody. Starting. And Eli is not going to play at all. I don't believe you're not going to see any any real names. Uh, you know, again, it's another opportunity for the team to get ready for a game. You know, go through. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the expectation? Forty-eight hours before kickoff. You know, seventy-two hours before kickoff. Get those things kind of taken care of. So, you know, when we get ready for a week from Sunday, we're ready to go for real. So, yeah. And um, while I'm watching, I'll tweet out what I what I'm thinking uh, at football underscore grump. I'll be sober this time, so it'll be uh, good good stuff. Only good stuff. 
Oh, we'll actually have coherent sentences this time. Very good. Yeah, this is this is my dress rehearsal. I got to be on my game. He's got to be on. Well, then we should go to the Jameson room and just have a couple before that. No, no, no. <laughs> if we want to be on our, you know, regular season mode. <laughs> uh, you can catch me as always at the Cranky Fan on Twitter. Obviously, with this is the um, first week of the season for college football. My beloved Gators are playing the mighty Charleston Southern, whatever they are. So mm. be sure and catch my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, also available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, catch this podcast is always on SoundCloud and iTunes. And leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. So the more ratings and reviews we get the more giant fans we get to interact with. Which is the goal. Which is the goal. Our goal is for somebody to find us in the Jameson room on week one and buy us a drink for all the entertainment we're providing you. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> all right, everyone. Go, Go Giants. Giants.